Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen. We're grateful that you're watching our show. We talk all about polygamy and polygamists, and we discuss uh, the dangers of polygamy, the unbiblical basis of polygamy, its abuses, its doctrines, and we also talk about the founder of Mormon polygamy, Joseph Smith. If you or anyone that you know is in a polygamy group and would like to escape safely, you can contact a Shield and Refuge Ministry on the web. The link is on the screen and they can help you. They can at least answer many of your questions or you can call them toll-free at 877-425-9993 and everything that you talk about is held in strict confidence. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions about our show, uh, there's an email uh, that is also on the screen, which is email at whatloveisthis.tv or you can call us at 385-240-2888. We have said in the past many times on our show that if Joseph Smith or Brigham Young or any of the first seven presidents of the Mormon Church were alive today, they would not be allowed to become members of the LDS Church. They would all fail the worthiness test. They were all polygamists and they all refused to give up polygamy on threat of hell and damnation. That alone would keep them out of the LDS Church. But any of the Mormon polygamy groups would be excited to accept them into their membership. They didn't keep all of the word of wisdom either. For instance, on a web page entitled Bishop's Interview Timeline, we read that in 1854, and I quote, Joseph F. Smith was sent on a mission to avoid legal issues as he had been beat, as he had beat up the schoolmaster and likely took up drink and tobacco. There was no interview with a bishop and he would not have passed it if there had been one. Well, this man was sent on a mission to avoid legal issues and to represent the only true church. Well, that's kind of odd. And, and of course, he was later became the president of the LDS Church and has several wives and children. We have a picture we'd like to share with you of his huge family. And it was after the 1890 Manifesto. That was Joseph F. Smith. Um, the, I believe he was the sixth president of the church. At any rate, you can see that if these men were lived like this, that they would not be accepted in the membership of the church today. So we asked the question, if, as they claim, their temples are patterned after the biblical temple of the Old Testament, why are there so many changes to the structures? Uh, why are there changes in the number of temples, in the use of their temples, and in the qualification to go into the temples? We thought we would have some fun with this, and so we're going to do a two-part show where we ask the question, would Joseph Smith have passed the current temple recommend questions asked by the church that he started? 
And to do this, we've invited a friend, a former Mormon who recently resigned from the Mormon Church, and she is a granddaughter of a polygamist. She is an author and a researcher who is anxious to share with others what she has learned while researching for an upcoming book entitled 19th Century Love Affair of Joseph Smith and Emma Hale. I would like to introduce and welcome our guest tonight, Annette Bolton. Hello. Thank, Thank you, you for asking me. Thank you for being willing to come and share uh, well, your information. I'm grateful to be here. <laughs> and the information you have is coming from a blog. You've written a blog. Yes. And it's on the internet. So would you tell our viewers where they can find the blog and why you started to write it? Well, from all the research I've done, I've been researching intently for about two plus years. And everything, everything I come across, I think, we need to share this with active Mormons, or we need to share this with people who are investigating Mormonism so they know what they're getting into and exactly where everything started and how it's not what it is today. The Clorox version, yeah, the Clorox is, version. is not like the original version. Mm -hmm. Uh, exactly right. And if God were the one who <clears throat> who was the originator of it, he was the source of it, there wouldn't be that big of a change. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and of course, this applies to the polygamists as well. Even though the polygamists do live original Mormonism, it is not what God ever commanded or required. No. So where can they find your blog on the internet? Mormonism for the number four dummies. Dot com. Dot com, MormonismForDummies.com. So there it is on the screen. And I had tried to find it using the, the spelling out F-O-R rather than the number four and never could find it. So I had to ask you to tell me again. <laughs> why? So you were inspired to write it because you wanted to share what you were learning and you're writing the book and you're doing your research and, and you recently left the LDS Church? We did. Um, we had a daughter that was uh, bipolar and uh, we could never get any support from the standing bishop or the young releases, the young women's president or anyone to help us with our daughter. And we had never been through this type of an illness before. And uh, she was basically shunned and uh, kind of mocked. And mm -hmm. eventually she had a child out of wedlock and, and uh, people just kind of turned their back on her because she wasn't righteousness to sit righteous enough to sit among the Mormons. Mm -hmm. And it hurt my husband and I deeply because we knew what a wonderful, kind person that she was mm -hmm. and is mm -hmm. today. Yeah, okay. And so you started so, question and researched and... Well, actually, I came, I, I cried every year, every day, every Sunday for five years. And I came home and I said to my husband, you and our youngest daughter are welcome to go, but I think I'm done. Mm -hmm. I can't cry over this anymore. Yeah. And I actually saw your show, called you up, you invited me to coffee, and the rest is history. The rest is history. Well, yep. good. Praise God for that. Okay, well, let's get into what we've just decided to talk about tonight. Uh, we hope that we don't offend anyone. That's not no. our purpose. We just want people to think. However, we know that we can't help but offend some because of the nature of our questions. There are 15 LDS Temple Worthiness questions that you will answer the way you think that Joseph Smith would answer if he were today being uh, questioned about going into the temple to see if he was worthy. But I must add <clears throat> a disclaimer here. We do not believe that these questions are valid in any way in any Christian setting. 
Christianity does not validate a works worthiness or a self-righteous worthiness that these questions demand. So the current temple question recommend interviews and possible answers from Joseph Fifth. The first question that they ask is, do you have faith in and testimony of God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost? How would you think he would answer that? Well, number one, Joseph was read the Bible and his brothers and sisters by Lucy Mack. He, uh, they didn't have a lot of formal education at that time, so she would read to them the Bible. And she always noted that Joseph was, was more introspective in his um, thinking when she was reading about the Bible. She, uh, she noted that he never read the Bible from cover to cover. He would often walk to the, to the window and just kind of think about what she was reading. <clears throat> And so when you look at the questions, do you have a testimony of God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost? Um, <clears throat> Joseph had to invent a religion in order to answer that question or even have a testimony of God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. He had to invent a religion so that he could answer a question such as that. Because I don't believe he really was Bible intelligent because he wasn't relying on the biblical information no he wasn't he, he truly wasn't <clears throat> um so <clears throat> so i would say um mormonism of course doesn't believe in the trinity and that that question is god the father the son and the holy ghost exactly which is the trinity mm -hmm. but the book of mormon has a truer view of god than um than the um, and, and the trinity than mormonism does the book of mormon clearly teaches that jesus christ is the one and only true god from all eternity the book of mormon does teach that yet polygamists of course don't believe that because they live polygamy to they believe in multiple gods because they live polygamy to become a god and mormons scoff at christians who believe in the trinity yet the book of mormon strongly teaches the father the son and the holy oh ghost god. which is the trinity and i quote from the book of mormon and honor be to the father and to the son and to the holy ghost which is one god period. Amen. Mm -hmm. And that's from the Book of Mormon Testimony of the Three Witnesses, Oliver Cowdery, David Whitmer, and Martin Harris. Now, it doesn't say which is one God in purpose. Mm -mm. It says which is one God, period. period. That's the Trinity mm -hmm. that, that these three had a witness of. But we don't believe that, or I don't, I'm with you, I don't believe that Joseph Smith had a testimony of that at all. Mm -mm. Because he didn't teach that after the Book of Mormon. Well, he, uh, the sad part is, is he put himself on the same level as Jesus Christ. Right. Uh, I think we mentioned earlier, when you're on the same Christ as a brother, you know, men can say, hey dude, or hey bro, and that makes someone uh, that is a God come down to your level and you can never reach up to their level. But and he tried to by saying we could become to. gods. Yes, yeah, he, he did truly that. did try. So your answer to that question would be no. You don't Absolutely think no. At least not a true testimony. Mm -hmm. The sad him. part is, is he thought he could restore all things. And if we needed Jesus, if we needed Joseph Smith, God would not have sent Jesus Christ. Because he was said, oh, Joe Smith's going to take care of that. So yeah, we don't need, we don't need anybody yeah, else. And why go through the, the pain of the cross? Exactly. That's true. Okay, second question. Do you have a testimony of the atonement of Jesus Christ? How do you think Joseph Smith would have to answer that? Well, <clears throat> actually, I think he'd answer no, but Joseph was trying to invent his Jesus 
the brother Jesus who uh, had to work to become a God, uh, like all of us, We're like he was to trying do. to teach everyone that you have to do, and someday you can live on Kolob too and <laughs> have your millions of wives and and children. Yeah, exactly. And so no, he didn't. He didn't believe in the true atonement of Jesus Christ. He believed in his Jesus Christ. And what he thought what he, he did. Thought. And, and to add to that, first of all, the word atonement, the way the Mormons use it, is not really a, the, the proper word for what Jesus has done in, according to the New Testament. But Joseph Smith's testimony, like you said, was a work salvation. Mm -hmm. And so he didn't believe in Jesus' full atonement. No, it, he, it, he, he had to have believed in only a partial atonement because the cross wouldn't have been enough the way he presented his gospel. If, if we want to work to earn God's favor, um, then in addition to Jesus' sacrifice, then our faith and our works uh, is faith in our works is the is, is all that's, that's necessary or added to it rather than what the full atonement does. So exactly. you're right. The the answer no. Number three, do you have a testimony of the restoration of the gospel? Of course, that would be yes, because he invented the restoration <laughs> yeah. of the gospel. Uh, Joseph was chosen. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I messed up there. But yeah, anyway, three. Um, it was, it's blasphemous what he he, to, um, to be a restoration. To, when, to, to feel like he was the same as Jesus Christ. He could take over and restore all things. That's just blasphemous in itself. And especially when the Bible says it's Jesus who will come and restore all things. It, it, is. it isn't somebody else that's going to come. Well, and if you read Matthew 17, um, that'll give you more of an emphasis about that. So, so Joseph Smith beloved in the false rest restoration because the gospel was never lost. Mm -mm. It's in the Bible. It's always been in the Bible. And the Bible's always been there. And the same Bible Joseph Smith used is the same Bible we use. And the gospel's in it. So mm -hmm. it was never lost. And the, the, so it was a false the changes restoration. that he made uh, in the Bible, but, right. nothing, nothing was in there. Number four, do you sustain the president of the church and his authority and other general authorities and local church leaders? He would say yes. He loved himself. He was a sociopath. Um, he would never think anything ill of himself. Yes, I believe he would say, yes, I believe in the president of the church. However, the way he treated his other general authorities or those that were supporting him was appalling. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, uh, Oliver Cowdery. He, he treated him with such disdain, and um, and he was offended that Oliver Cowdery would constantly refer to the Fanny Alger affair as a dirty, nasty, filthy affair. Why couldn't he just forget yeah, it? Let's not tell the truth. Throw yeah. the cloak over it, and let's just forget that sin. And I agree with you. He did trust himself, and he did have a high opinion of himself. And there was also not only Oliver Cowdery, there was William Law. Yes. He he was, and John C. Bennett, for heaven's sakes. Oh. You know, so some of these people that he put in the top leadership of the church, he uh, fell out with them. So he did not have a, a testimony oh. or sustain a lot of the people he put in charge. And the unless people they that, told the line. Exactly. And the people, that, the men who absolutely lived what he was doing, wooing the ladies and marrying them, if he felt that those men were interfering in his territory, he would excommunicate them, he would, just like that. He would They're do gone. That. That, that's, uh, and of course, that takes us right into the next question. Did he, do you live the law of chastity? How would Joseph Smith have answered that? Absolutely not. <laughs> 
he might I'm truthfully. <laughs> truthfully. Well, you know, he, he did have seven wives when he stood up and said, why would people say I have seven wives when I can only find one? Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of a tongue-in-cheek, humorous comment for someone to lie to the public mm -hmm. to cover his own skin. He was not chaste. And I think when he went into the grove to, you know, his first vision, all he did was go into the grove and ask the Lord to forgive him of his sins and weaknesses. And of course, anyone who asks God that, the answer is yes, your sins are forgiven. But he took that sweet event and multiplied upon it to become to come up with a first well, vision. Well, he had he had kind of an odd idea about uh, what sin was, at least in his later years he did. Um, actually, Joseph Smith, I think, could have written the original book on situational ethics <laughs> because he proposed a lot of women who were single. And mm -hmm. for instance, he opposed to Nancy Rigdon, proposed to her, who was Sidney Rigdon's daughter. She was so upset about his proposal that she stormed out of the room. And, um, and he later, he was kind of worried about what she would do. So he wrote her a letter. And I want to quote part of what he put in this letter, uh, which discussed the immoral proposal he made. And I quote, um, that which is wrong under one circumstance may be and often is right under another. Whatever God requires is right, no matter what it is. Even things which might be considered abominable to all who understand the order of heaven only in part, but which in reality were right because God gave and sanctioned by holy revelation. So Joseph Smith, of course, is talking about a different God here, but he's trying to, you know, to... to to calm her down, making it sound like God is the one who told him to go propose plural marriage exactly. to her. So, But God is not vague. He doesn't equivocate. What's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And God is black and white on that. Oh. And so Joseph Smith would have to say, no, he was not chaste. <laughs> he was not chaste. But anyway. Okay, yeah. number six. Okay. Are your relationships with family members as being in harmony with church teachings? How would he answer that? Uh, well, he would have to say no, because in my opinion, any man who lies to his wife does not live in harmony with his family. And he lied violently and prolifically to Emma. He did, didn't he? And it was not fair to her. Right. And uh, I imagine that if she ever read the sweet letters that he sent, for instance, to Sarah Whitney... Uh, I think it uh, goes something like this. Uh, um, Emma's only been away for 24 hours, but I can't wait. I cannot stand that to have you near my side to comfort me during my sucker. Something of that mm -hmm. nature. Yeah. And he was good about that. He, he did. He lied to Emma. He lied about his polygamy for years. Mm -hmm. He said the church didn't believe in or teach polygamy and that they believed in monogamy. And while he was saying denying polygamy, he continued to marry plural wives secretly. So he would have had to answer no Absolutely. on the chastity question. Number seven, do you support or affiliate with any group or individual with teachings or practices that are not in agreement with church teachings? And he would have to answer no. And the reason being is that his, I didn't realize this until I had researched it, but his father was a master mason. Oh, he would have to answer yes. He did affiliate with oh, them. Oh, yes, then. excuse me. Yeah. I, I actually had to change that because my <laughs> husband mentioned that to me. Honey, you got to change that to yeah. yes. Um, yes, he did affiliate with, mas uh, with masonry. And even though he was able to jump to a 32nd degree mason, uh, 
his father had been teaching him about masonry all along, so mm -hmm. it was like he—it's not like he didn't ever know what masonry was. But if uh, in in learning about uh, what the initiates for master masons have to accept, acknowledge, and say, they do deny Jesus Christ. They do de deny God. When it gets to and the, they, the they deeper, really, deeper into mm -hmm, it, they, they actually uh, follow a Luciferian religion. Okay, that's true. He he was a Mason. We know that a lot of the, in fact, it, it, it was the fastest growing lodge in the country. It was. The lodge in Nauvoo. He also joined the Methodist Church. Yes, he did. In 1828, uh, mm -hmm. he joined the Methodist Even after he claimed God told him that all of the creeds were wrong and not to join any of them, mm -hmm. he still joined the Methodists. And they wouldn't take him because he was a necromancer and refused to give it up. And God told them uh, or forbids necromancy. He also was involved with the Danites. Mm -hmm. So he was involved with the Masons, with the Danites, and with the Methodists, and uh, he was um, he was given the title of Captain General and Secretary of War for, with the, amongst the group of Mormons. And before the Danites could do anything, the Secretary of War had to give him permission. So that was Joseph Smith. So yes, yes he was affiliated with these groups. Number eight, do you make a good faith effort to keep the covenants you have made to attend church meetings and keep your life in harmony with the gospel? How would he answer that? No. Um, he, of course, he tended to his meetings because he was always the speaker. Most generally. Always, generally the speaker <laughs> because he, as a sociopath, he really loved to hear himself speak. And he <laughs> thought he had a lot of good things to say. Um, Uh, help me out with this one, would you? Are we on eight? You, you were, on, we're on number eight. eight. Yeah. Okay, I was looking at number seven. The, the, you're oh, okay, about this the is the Okay. He violated the First Amendment of the Constitution by destroying the Nauvoo Expositor. And when the, how he, he was so upset that people would talk about his life and his polygamy and the things that he was doing, he wanted to erase it from memory. So in order to think that I can re erase this from memory, I'm going to destroy the the Nauvoo Expositor, and he did. And they did, yeah. Yes, and he was he he was treasonous. Um, just with that one act, he could have been put to death. Well, there was a lot of things he did that was treasonous, and and that certainly is one. And that's of course was why he ended up in the Carthage jail. And it was uh, again the source of that was polygamy, because William Law was ready to print his extramarital affairs with the, in the expositor. And, and what I would like to say on this is we don't make covenants with God. They, one of their questions is, do you keep your covenants with God? But the Bible never tells us to make covenants. In fact, Jesus told us not to make covenants. In Matthew chapter 5, uh, Jesus said, Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath but keep the oath she had made to the Lord. But I tell you, Jesus said, do not swear at all. Do not make covenants. Do not make an oath, he's saying. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So we don't make covenants. In the Old Testament, they would sometimes go make a covenant in the temple with the Lord. But we don't do that today because Jesus Christ is our covenant with God and we come into him. So it, it, it's heretical even to have that question, but you're right. He would not have been able to say yes. Okay. And number nine, are you honest in your dealings with others? How would he have to answer that one? 
Absolutely no. <laughs> he was not honest in anything. Uh, you can go back to the stone, the seer stone, to see how dishonest he was. Uh, he found the seer stone at William Chase's farm when they were digging a well. Actually, Willard Chase found it, and he looked at it, and he thought it was awesome because his little girl was a peeper. Hmm. And he wanted to give it to her. Joseph Smith saw it and really liked it and asked if he could have it. And uh, <laughs> he had to give it back to William Law or to Willard Chase. And then when he was going to do the Book of Mormon, he sent his brother Hiram to Willard's hmm. house and uh, asked if he could have it. When Willard Chase came back to again ask for the seer stone back, uh, Joseph Smith said, "No, you may not." have it. You will never have it. It is mine. I've told all the people that I found it, and you can't have it. And not only <laughs> that, there's the Kirtland Bank failure oh, that yes, he did. Oh, yes, the anti-banking. And, and he lied uh, about his plural marriages, what we are the, which we talked about a lot, so there's mm -hmm. not honest dealings with that. <clears throat> uh, he would send men on church missions. Oh, yes, and, and take their wives. And then take their wife mm -hmm. as a plural wife while he was away. He would secretly and privately propose to them and then threaten them if they said no. And I'd like to quote one of the threats that he made to Sarah Pratt. He, he proposed to Orson Pratt's wife yes. while he was away. And I quote, Finally, Sarah angrily told him on a subsequent visit, Joseph, if you ever attempt anything of this kind with me again, I will make a full disclosure to Mr. Pratt on his return home. Depend upon it. I will certainly do it. Sister Pratt, the prophet, responded, I hope you will not expose me, for if I suffer, all must suffer. So do not expose me. Will you promise me that you will not do it? If you will never insult me again, Sarah replied, I will not expose you unless strong circumstances should require it. If you should tell, the prophet added, I will ruin your reputation. Mm -hmm. Remember that. Is and that honestly dealing with people? No, and he did ruin her reputation and as he well did with that, other women. Mm -hmm. He did that with other women. So we can hardly call that honest in his dealings with others or even being honorable. <laughs> um, this shows that he wasn't honest with, with, um, with Emma, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Uh, because of his polygamy, about his several versions. There was nine versions of his first vision, so mm -hmm. to speak. And all this and more shows that Joseph Smith could not have answered the questions required. Now, this is the first nine. Well, next week we're going to do the show on the rest of them and then talk a little bit about the original temple questions. Uh, but we can see that he was head of his church, but he was not held at a very high standard to be the head of the church. No, he was he's not. kind of at a lower standard. So we've just got a, a few seconds left before we close the show, but, but I want to thank you for coming and sharing this because this is kind of a new mm -hmm. prospect. And I just want people to know that we're talking about Joseph Smith and the temple questions, but the polygamists all hold Joseph Smith very high esteem, just like the LDS church does. They do. And so it's a very important thing to look at his moral character. Mm -hmm. So thank you, and You're we'll welcome. see you to do part two of the show. You know, requiring temples and temple works and temple recommend questions is entirely a non-Christian concept. There are no required temple worship, 
no list of worthily questions to be found in the New Testament. In fact, the very fact that Mormonism requires certain laws and ordinances and marriages prove that they rely on law instead of grace for eternal life. We are saved by grace through faith alone. We are not saved by celestial marriage in any of its Mormon forms. Repeatedly, Jesus said that he alone is the way to heaven. He often said these words, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And he meant that then, and he still means it today. Faith alone in Jesus Christ alone saves those who get saved. And he said, we all need to be saved. See you next time on Polygamy, What Love Is This? This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.